Wow. I might need to have a bit more. <laughs> um, a real sort of Aladdin's cave. Can and I'm a genie. <laughs> Hi there, welcome to the Loving Welsh Food podcast with me, Sean Roberts. During the series, I'm going to be visiting some of our food tour venues to meet the owners, producers and staff to discover the delicious stories behind the shelves and kitchen doors. I'm in Wally's. I'm joined here with Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, hi. This has to be the best shop for anyone who likes food and drink. What's special about it? Uh, well, it's very special business. You know, the history... Um, the quality, the variety, authenticity of the business, uh, the fact that we've been here forever, we're known as a Cardiff retailing institution. You come here and you just get the most amazing experience. You do, and the food is everywhere. It's up from the top, it's all around us, and we're going to go upstairs to the cafe to have a chat. Let's go, Absolutely. off we go. Let's go. First of all, tell me a little bit about the story behind Wally's. Well, it's quite a story, <laughs> quite a story. My grandfather came to this country in 1939 as a refugee from uh, Nazism. And uh, he'd been a shopkeeper in Austria. Uh, and in fact, his father was a shopkeeper too in Poland. Um, and after he'd come out of the army, he opened a store in Cardiff uh, on the site where John Lewis now stands uh, in 1947. And uh, he ran that business as a, as a delicatessen until 1981 with my father and my brother, who joined the business as, as young men. Uh, until the site was redeveloped as part of the city redevelopment. So we came to the Royal Arcade in 1981. My father and his brother went separate ways. And, uh, well, my father always thought that uh, old-fashioned businesses would be named after the owner. Yes. So hence he called the shop Wally's. Of course, I was an 18-year-old, and I wasn't that enamoured with him calling the shop Wally's. You can, <laughs> Why? You can imagine the <laughs> stick I got in school uh, over it. But... Uh, I can see the sense now. So, so where does the name come from? Well, my father's name was, was Walter, Fine. or okay. Valti, okay. as he yeah. was christened. Mm. Uh, Walter, and then obviously Wally for short. So what was being sold here initially? And then we'll talk about what you're selling today. Yeah, well, initially we were, uh, I suppose, a Polish delicatessen. What I'm talking about in Bridge Street days, mm. Eastern European food. So uh, Polish, Hungarian... Um, anything Eastern European, Romanian, Czech food, and the, the shop was a sort of hub for immigrants, either from Nazism or from communism uh, in the 1950s, and it was a hub for uh, continental people. Um, and the staff, I think, were also... We had staff who were Polish, we had Ukrainians, um, we had uh, Poles, so yeah, quite, quite a mix of uh, Europeans, and uh, I think a lot of the transactions were transacted in, in German or Polish. Um, it was more when we came to the Royal Arcade in 1981 that we started spreading into Western European foods, German, Italian, Spanish, French, uh, and then gradually into the rest of the world, South America, South Africa, Australia, Orient. So when you come in, I mean, it is an extraordinary shop. I mean, all our guests love coming here and could spend all day here. Can you just mm -hmm. describe the shop to me a little bit? When you walk in, what uh, yeah. do you see? Well, I mean, the, the main sort of centrepiece that we have in the store is an olive bar. I think we have something like 22 varieties of olives, and that is our, our centrepiece. Um, attracts the eye. But beyond that, you see our delicatessen counters. So they are our pièce de la résistance, the delicatessen counters. This is what we're famous for. Um, but then surrounded by shelves, just laden full, hopefully, of gourmet foods from around the world. And we pride ourselves on the shelves being full, 
Uh, we, we work really hard to keep them topped up and looking, you know, appealing. Um, we have fresh counters where we serve chocolates, um, and then we have uh, a department for wines, beers, and spirits, spices, health and whole foods. So little sections throughout the shop, um, and the overall atmosphere, especially at Christmas time, um, is one of a shop overladen with goods, hanging from the ceiling even, um, a real sort of Aladdin's cave. Absolutely, I and mean, that's exactly how I describe mm. it. So we can... And I'm a genie. <laughs> <laughs> Wally the genie. Tell me a bit about the cheese. We come here for your charcuterie yes. and we also come here for your cheeses. So tell me first of all about so the charcuterie, was one of the original products, I suppose, was it? So we sell a tremendous range of German hams and salamis, smoked and cured hams, um, Italian salamis and hams, uh, pâtés from Belgium. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a real mixture. But unfortunately, I, I maintain that um, I'm, it's changing slowly, but the UK charcuterie, is not up to the same standard and not as price competitive as um, European charcuterie. What about the cheeses? So we come here for the yeah. work. We've got a huge section of cheeses, but you also have... What, what were the first cheeses you had? I think it was just two cheeses, oh, weren't they? The first cheeses, Jarlsberg <laughs> and Dolcelati, I think. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, now the cheese count is a slightly different story because although we specialise in, again, continental cheeses, um, Welsh cheese industry is much more advanced than the charcuterie industry and some of the best cheeses in the UK do come from Wales. Um, so we have a, I would say a good third of our counter is taken up with Welsh cheeses um, and uh, yeah, they are our best selling product now in the cheese counter. So in the shop, what are the most, the best selling products? What do people come to you for in general? Is oh, that difficult? In general, well, in general, uh, our charcuterie, Parma mm. ham. Okay. Smoked hams and cheeses. I think uh, you know. I think without that's the bread and butter of our business. Um, but it does depend on the time of year. So if you're talking about Christmas time, it'll be the continental cakes and biscuits, the stollen, the lekuk, and the panettone. Um, but throughout the year, taking out the seasonal variations, I think it's um, yeah, it's our cooked and cured hams. Tell me a little bit about your regulars. I mean, where do they come from? What kind of people are they? Do you know them all by name? Uh, I mean, I love the fact that it's a, it's a kind of family company. The staff seem to know everyone. We know a lot of our regulars by name, uh, by their shopping habits, by literally the time of the day or the day of the week they come in. I mean, just today I had a customer looking, walking around the shelves looking for something. I knew what he was looking for Gosh. without him even saying anything. <laughs> um, we've had sort of second, third generation customers where... Um, we're now serving the grandchildren of people who my father would have served. Um, we've got one or two left of what I would call the original customers, mm. people who knew my grandfather, uh, which is interesting for me because I didn't know him. Ah. And there's a couple of customers who knew him as a young man and they can or a young boy, and they can describe to me what he was like. like um, you know, they tell me he had a gravelly voice because he was a heavy smoker, he had gold teeth, <laughs> a little bit scary even to a, to a toddler. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, people bring their, even if people don't live in Cardiff anymore, they sometimes bring their young family here on visits and say, this is where I used to come when I was a child. I love the fact that the staff also know a lot about the product. So is that important to you, the kind of staff training? What, what do you do to make sure they're knowledgeable? And also the fact that the, the men wear the shirt and tie. <laughs> well, this is something we just pride ourselves on, the appearance. It's an old-fashioned style business. I did once say... I did once tell my mother that I was thinking of ditching the ties, and she said, you know, over my dead body. No <laughs> way, your dad, your dad would uh, turn in his grave. Mm -hmm.
tell me a little bit about the cafe, because this is quite a new development, isn't it? Yes. But we always had a hankering and an idea that uh, our charcuterie, which we were selling downstairs, and our cheeses, which people were buying to take home for cold-plated foods, and would be a fantastic opportunity for us to sell, sell the cold-plated salads and, and sandwiches and showcase all the products. So everything we use in our cafe uh, is available in the shop, comes from the shop. And then we themed it as a Viennese cafe house, really in homage to my father, where he was born. Uh, partly that, partly to be a bit different from the, from the norm. So our coffee menu is very um, sort of Germanic. We, we don't sell, for example, um, Americano. Mm -hmm. We sell Verlangete Schwarzer, which Ooh. means extended black. Okay. Essentially, it's an Americano. Kind of a mouthful. <laughs> it's an Americano, but you know, it's just something to be a bit different from the norm. Mm. Um, yes, and we're a haven of uh, sort of tranquility off the high street, where people like to sit and listen to the classical music. Um, I think you have an amazing job going up <laughs> around the world, choosing all these products. What do you do? You think it's a great job? Well, I think that's a very interesting question. Really interesting question because. It's a very tough job. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the fact that it's a family business. I enjoy carrying on the tradition. I enjoy meeting the customers. If I could just do pure retail, that would be amazing. Unfortunately, so half the time I'm a mechanic and a refrig engineer <laughs> and a maintenance guy. Um, but yeah, overall, so, uh, I wouldn't be here if I didn't enjoy it. Are you a foodie or do you go home and have just toast? Because <laughs> you've been surrounded by mm. posh food and very rich food. Yeah, I was, I was frightened you might ask that. <laughs> Um, Don't be frightened. No, I'm not a foodie. Okay. I mean, I like eating food. I like <laughs> selling food. <laughs> but I don't go home and, and cook for myself, unfortunately. No. Uh, maybe spending too long in the day you know, with the produce. Yeah. Uh, something simple for me at home is enough. Why should I come and shop with you rather than going to a supermarket? What do you offer me? Well, I think it's... Uh, the whole package is the experience of coming here, talking to staff who are knowledgeable, polite, available. <laughs> um, you know, seeing seeing the shops well stocked. Um, there are produce products we sell which are ava available in the supermarkets. But you won't have someone being able to maybe offer you a tasting or explain it to you uh, in a nice manner, address you by name. So, you know, you, you come to us maybe not for your weekly shop, but for for when you want um, something a bit different, something out of the ordinary. A shopping experience, make it something which makes you feel good about, you know, your, your shopping experience. Well, our guests love coming here, and hopefully, good. we'll continue coming. So, thank you very much. That's Brilliant. A thank, you. thank you. Coming up next, we're focusing on Pendarian Welsh whisky, an award-winning single malt with very distinctive branding, including a seam of gold and our fabulous Welsh dragon. But just before then. Cardiff and Vale College very kindly arranged an international tasting group for me. Let's see what they think of Penderin. Okay, so I love this international tastings. Okay, we're going to go to England now. Right, are you, are you first, uh, Jamie, first of all, are you a whiskey drinker? No, I'm not. Sometimes if it gets put in front of me, I will drink it, but <laughs> it wouldn't be my drink of choice. <laughs> Okay, do you want to give it a go? So we've got very small samples here of the Welsh whiskey, uh, and we'll see what you think. We're only giving you small samples because you're at work. Ooh. <laughs> I like that, actually. I might need to have a bit more. <laughs> I just I find it quite uh, f like a full flavour, and so at different points, it's 
giving me different like <laughs> vibes <laughs> good vibes yeah good vibes <laughs> Okay, so Bianca is trying the Pendown whiskey. Bianca's from Brazil, and she's going to tell me what she thinks. Wow. <laughs> um, o esse whisky tem um perfume. So, wow, impressive aroma and subtle taste. Delicious. Muito bom. So, it's a pick-me-up. It wakes you up. So you could have it for breakfast. You you could have it for breakfast <laughs> on a weekend. <laughs> Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Morgan, for joining me. You're a brand ambassador for Pendarin. Very posh title. What does it mean? Um, brand ambassador essentially means that you're the face of the company at events uh, and things like that across the country. So you do traveling to do tastings or traveling to whiskey festivals and so on and so you're sort of the face that a lot of the public end up seeing not a bad job no it's a pretty good if you like the traveling it's a good job it's it's the traveling that some people don't enjoy but if you like traveling it can be a very very good job okay so tell me all about Pendarian. somebody who's never heard of welsh whiskey Okay, uh, so Pendarin Distillery, uh, or the, the legal name, the Welsh Whiskey Company, was founded in 1999 by Alan Evans, uh, also known as Alan the Glan, because he owned the Glan Cunnan pub in, uh, in Heroine. And uh, his dream was to create a whiskey that was as good as Welsh gold, which is where the term Welsh gold originally came from for Pendarin. But he didn't know how to make whiskey, so... Bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a problem when you're trying to make it. Uh, but he found a still, he got very lucky, he found a, an abandoned still uh, in a warehouse and he bought it quite cheaply on, in auction and when they turned it on they realised they still didn't know what to do so <laughs> they had to bring in Dr Jim Swan. An he, expert I hope. Yes, an expert. He was well known in the whisky industry um, and he came down and when he tasted the spirit from the still he decided that he wanted to be involved because the still was very different from the traditional stills that you see in Scotland and Ireland. Uh, it ha it's a one-pot distillation, so uh, it creates a different character of spirit. So he was basically he was very excited to experiment and have fun with it. So he became our master distiller. They went to produce the first whiskey in Wales for how long? Uh, so there, there was um, a company about 10 years before us that uh, brought in cheap scotch and put it through a filter and illegally sold it as uh, Welsh whiskey. Uh, but they were shut down and it was they never actually distilled anything in Wales. So the, the distillation before that would have been in the 1890s, uh, early 1900s. And it was by a company called the Royal Welsh Whiskey in uh, Bala. But they didn't last long because they were trying to start a whiskey distillery during the temperance movement. So it didn't go very Not well. Not a good time. <laughs> Not a good time. So they had to import people to work there because the locals wouldn't and things like that. And they had to shut down. I think it was about 10 to 15 years they were open for. Okay, so what is... Uh, I mean, Pandaria has won lots of awards. I mean, since it began in the year 2000, it's it'd been an Im incredibly successful story. Um, so what is so special about Pandaria and why is it award-winning? So I would say the most unique thing about us is that still. Um, when in comparison to to many other distilleries, and it's so the the way the still works, uh, essentially what makes the spirit different is that we use column stills, and it works similar to um, fractal uh, distillation that they do in oil refineries and things like that to separate out the different chemicals in the compound. Oil refinery sounds a bit scary. Oil refinery, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's a bit much. Superdare is like oil. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it's just, I use that because a lot of kids learn that in school. Okay. And so a lot of people have heard of that method before. Fair. It's Fair uh, essentially separating out all the gases into different uh, sections of the column by the temperature. And that means that we can take it out in it at its purest point, which for our still is around 92%. Whereas the Scottish distilleries usually distill to 70 to 75%, and in Ireland they usually go 80 to 85%. So to whiskey connoisseurs, you know, how, how, how has Welsh whiskey now established itself? Is it up there as a contender with the Scottish whiskey? I would definitely say so. I think it's, it's a lot of case, uh, which was fortunately for me a bit before my time at the company, um, but the, pr- the push to get people to even try uh, Welsh whiskey was a big thing back then and it still happens every now and again you get someone that comes along and says oh Welsh whiskey why would I try that um, but when they try it you can see on the majority of them they have that change of face where they're like that's they, they, you know I grudgingly admit that's, that's really good whiskey that's, and that's a great moment to see and it's one of my favourite moments as a brand ambassador uh, where does the name come from? Uh, so it's located in the very small town of Penderyn in, uh, in the valleys. And you have the seam of gold. So tell me a little bit about that with the branding. So the seam of gold is, it goes back all the way to Alan Evans. He wanted something to, it to be as good as Welsh gold. And in a way, when we started, it was as good and as rare as Welsh gold because it's so much more rare. And obviously, we were the only whiskey distillery at the time. So it was that whole point of this is you know, a quality product from Wales. expanded hugely yes we we have a very large range um of i mean i think if you look through all the single casks you'd be getting into the hundreds that we've done over the years um but for the core range um we have eight bottles and that's the gold range and the dragon range um we do a madeira finish which is madeira wine barrels and that's quite unique for us as well because not many distilleries use them uh, the wine barrels don't often produce a good flavor with certain spirits but with our still, we found it creates a very nice flavour indeed. So that's become our original sort of house style of whisky. We also have a sherry finish, a port finish, a peated finish, which uses ex Lefroig barrels to get smokiness into the whisky. So we're essentially stealing some of the smokiness from Lefroig and getting it into our whisky. And the last one is a rich oak, which is a barrel where you scrape away the inside and freshly burn it before you put the whisky in. Uh, before the whisky was sold, you had the gin. Tell me about the other spirits that you produce. Yes, yeah, so um, the, the gin, the, the other spirits, uh, most whiskey distilleries do end up producing other spirits. It is a good way to, to start with distribution channels and things like that while your whiskey's still maturing. Uh, but uh, I think for us, we were amazed at how good a quality gin we came out with. The gin in particular. The Merlin has gone very well as well. The vodka's done well in its own right. But the gin well, did amazing for us. And it was, it was truly incredible how much. And even to the point we now expanded the range to having five gins even though we're a whiskey distillery. So it's the Brecon Gin? The Brecon Gin, yes. Five vodka, is that right? Yeah, And what, what is the Merlin? The Merlin is just Merlin. It's sort of like its own little unique product that stands it's by It's quite itself. similar to the Baileys? Yes, so you could almost uh, see it as probably a, a slightly more premium Baileys. Um, there's a little bit more alcohol in there, and instead of using any spirit, we use specifically the whiskey spirit from our stills. So you get that vanilla scent from the spirit itself. I have to say, it's delicious, especially with some ice. Okay, are there any do's and don'ts for whiskey, as in how you drink it? Or So if you ask someone who's very enthusiastic about their whiskey, they will say, neat room temperature. That is, that is the go-to. 
Um, but I personally and a lot of my co-workers believe that the most important thing about whiskey is that you enjoy it. So if you enjoy it more with ice, if you enjoy it more putting it in a cocktail, then that is your decision. <laughs> yeah. And we're, I'm never going to stand up to someone and say, you can't do that. Yeah. But there are probably people out there that would make comments on it. It's, uh, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like any alcohol that you drink. You know, some people put red wine in the fridge and some people don't, and things like that. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's very much a choice. In China, apparently, the wealthy millionaires take one bottle of very expensive wine and they mix it all together in a tureen on the table, <laughs> and then they add coke. Well, um, actually, to, to, to that point, something that I've considered starting myself that my co-worker suggested is um, it's called the infinite whiskey bottle. And what you essentially do when you get to the last of your bottle of whiskey, you add it to one specific bottle, and every time you get to the last bit of whiskey from each of the bottles that you buy, you add it, and it becomes the infinite whiskey. Okay. I haven't tried it yet, <laughs> um, but I know it's something a lot of people do because they find it quite fun and interesting to experiment. Okay, let me know how that goes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so when you're out and about, I mean, you, ha- you say you haven't travelled actually abroad possibly, but no. what is, how, how do you think, what kind of reputation do we have as whiskey producers? Is it still people going, really? I, it's more people. I would say we get more people now saying, what have you got new? As in, yeah. I'm coming back. I saw you last year, say I'm in Manchester for a whiskey lounge, which is a reoccurring festival. Oh, what have you got that's new this year? And then and maybe I do have something, maybe we don't. Um, but they either they come and try it. I would say we get more of those than we get people saying, what is this Welsh? You know. So when you first started, there was no dragon on the branding. And then uh, that was adopted. Do you know the story? I do, actually, because that story, I, I find that very interesting. It's, uh, it was to do with the export market, uh, mm-hmm. the sales in France. So when we originally took our Madeira finish, our house style, to France, and you know they tried it at tastings and festivals, the first comment we got back was that it was a little bit too strong. Mm-hmm. So um, the French are actually one of the biggest single malt whiskey drinkers per capita in the entire world. They, they really do enjoy their whiskey. But one of the things I hear is they enjoy it a bit earlier in the day. So they don't want it to be what, quite breakfast? as strong. <laughs> maybe not breakfast, <laughs> maybe just before dinner rather than just after dinner. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so they wanted something that wasn't quite as strong. So we came out with the Madeira 41, which is 41% instead. And they loved it. And mm-hmm. it went really well. And then the next comment that came back was, when I put it in my whiskey shop with, with 300 other whiskies, mm-hmm. no one can tell it's Welsh until they've read the label very close. So they were like, what can you do to make that better? And that right there is why we put a giant dragon on the label. <laughs> but those bottles sold so well in France that we brought them back to the UK and we sell them everywhere now. You can find them in Morrison's and Tesco. What do you enjoy most about your job? I would say I enjoy the most the, the whiskey-specific festivals. Okay. Because when someone comes over from just a different part of the, of, of the UK and they just love the product so much and they just want to chat with you and, and, have, and talk about the products, talk about what they love and you get to sh- try the new ones and things like that, it's, it's a, just a really nice feeling. Or it's a, probably a split between that and giving it someone the first time and realising they love it. That is just such a nice moment when they haven't tried it before. I love it when we get French people on the tours or Italians who are so interested in food and they ask all these questions. It's, it's just amazing isn't yeah. it, to see people with this knowledge really appreciating something. Yeah. Thank you very much, Morgan. We will have a couple of shots of the whiskey now, as in pictures. <laughs> do you like whiskey? I do like whiskey, yes. Is that a prerequisite? It's not a prerequisite. There are people at the company that aren't massive fans of whiskey, but I think most of them learn to love it over time <laughs> because it's just so available to you. <laughs> That's it for this week. 
Thanks very much for listening. If you'd like more information about Wally's and Penderin, check out Wally's Deli Online and Penderin Distillery. This podcast was produced by myself and Waffle. Many thanks. Diachomawr.